Welcome to Grace Church. We're so glad that you are with us today as we're starting a new series called Words to the Wise, a series in, in which we will going, be going through the book of Proverbs. But I want to introduce someone to you today, a friend that will be bringing the Word of God, and his name is Ian Ardell. Um, Ian is what used to be a pastor that planted great, uh, Campus Church. I want to say Grace Church, is not yeah. this church. <laughs> then you're really old. That, this, that's been 90 years ago, right? <laughs> but Campus is another AGC church working in this community. And um, he's been in vocational ministry for about 15 years. And 10 years of that was getting Campus Bayview off the ground. And he was leading there. And at the moment, Ian does both earthly investments and kingdom eternity investment. So he's in the business world, but he also still serves God's kingdom faithfully. He preaches for Compassion International at various churches. And then from time to time, he helps out friends like me, and he brings the words here. So Ian, we're so excited to hear what God wants to say through you today. And um, thank you for, for coming and share with us what is on your heart. Thanks, Louis. Thanks so much. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to be with all of you here today, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here at Grace. Grace has always uh, been a church close to my heart, um, and not only do my three children actually attend the youth ministry here on Wednesday and Friday, um, but uh, actually my own origins in my faith journey, you know, in some respects, began with Grace Church. Back in 1993, there was a group of women, a part of a community women's Bible study um, here in Newmarket, and they invited this um, woman that was kind of totally happy with her life and happy being ignorant to the idea of God. Uh, Her name was Karen Percival. And so they invited Karen out to this community Bible study, and eventually she actually uh, surrendered her life to Jesus. And Karen happened to be my mom. And, uh, and so, it, you know, as time went on, she started actually attending Grace uh, for a season. And uh, the first time I ever went and darkened the door of a church ever in my life outside of going to a wedding or funeral was to this church called Grace. And I walked in as a junior high snotty-nosed kid in the early 90s and there was this weird service called a baptism service. It was totally bizarre and totally weird, but it started my journey of trying to discover who is this Jesus person and what, did he, what does he have to say to my life. So thank you. Uh, if, you were, uh, if you're a part of Grace, you're a part of that story. So thank you for being a part of my story. We're going to be beginning, as uh, Pastor Louie alluded to, a series today uh, called The the Words uh, to Make You Wise this summer. And uh, certainly every week uh, we are going to be looking at the book of Proverbs. This is not an exhaustive study by any means, uh, but it is meant to be a uh, kind of a snapshot every week at a different section of Scripture within the Proverbs. And so I thought it was serendipitous to actually look at the beginning of Proverbs in chapter 1, verse 1 to 7. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read, and we're going to do a little bit of prayer, and then we'll dive into the study together. So let's uh, read it, shall we? Let's go verse 1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. 
Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them to do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs are to give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. And let these with understanding receive guidance. By exploring the meaning of these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your scriptures. We thank you for your word. We pray now, Lord, as we open up this scripture this morning, I pray that you, O Holy Spirit, would remove all distractions that you would pull away all the things that we're carrying with us throughout the week, all the, all the things that took us to get here even on uh, this morning. I pray that you would quiet our hearts. Let us hear you, O Holy Spirit, what you have to say to us this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going back to verse 1. When we start first dive into any kind of scripture, what I uh, always ask myself and what you should be asking yourself is, who is the author and what is the purpose of this section of scripture? Who is the author and what is the section of scripture? What's the, what's the purpose behind it? The book of Proverbs is known as wisdom literature. And in the book of Job and Ecclesiastes, we get also what's known as wisdom literature. But we're supposed to kind of derive something from it. And so whenever a theologian or pastor opens up the scriptures, we want to ask ourselves, who's the author? And so in the next slide, we kind of get that discovery. We don't need to be a, a, a rocket scientist or a really good detective to figure this out. It tells us who it is. Anybody feel like they're going to, tra- like going to theological school? Yeah, no problem. We got it, Okay. These are the Proverbs of who? Solomon. That's right. Solomon. It drives for us the question, who is Solomon? Who is Solomon? Ultimately, he is the third king of Israel, the last king, in fact, to rule a whole and united kingdom of Israel. After Solomon, there was, it got split into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And Solomon was also perhaps, from an earthly standpoint, one of the most powerful rulers of Israel ever. Um, And he came after his father, King David. And King David was known for being a man after God's own heart. Even though he had his own challenges and what have you, Solomon came into that and ultimately was known for being Solomon the Wise. He was also known for being an incredible builder. The original temple in Israel uh, was actually built by Solomon. So you see that transition from the tabernacle to building the temple of the Lord. But in 1 Kings, we get introduced to Solomon in a more substantive way. And in chapter 3, we read this. It says, The Lord appeared to Solomon 
And the Lord asked him, ask for whatever you want in a dream. Ask for whatever you want, and I'll consider giving it to you. That's essentially what the Lord said. Can you imagine the Lord of the universe, the God of the universe showing up to you in your dreams? What do you want? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit nerve-wracking, but that's that's essentially what happened to Solomon. What did he what did he do? In the next slide, it, obviously I'm paraphrasing here. There's a, uh, a larger section of scripture here, but he says, I want discernment. Give me the gift of discernment to figure out what is right and what is wrong. And in the next slide, it says in verse 10 that the Lord was pleased with Solomon because of that. That godly wisdom, good wisdom, was pleasing to the Lord. And he says the Lord was pleased with Solomon that he had asked for this wisdom. And so when we think about the book of Proverbs, we think about the author who originally provided these Proverbs, and we're thinking, okay, it's pretty good. The other thing that I think about Solomon and kind of if we read through his journey in 1 Kings, we also see that Solomon does things in community. He, he selected wise counsel around him. When I think of wise counsel, I always think of coffee. Right? Good fellowship. Good, good time connecting with others. Good cup of coffee. All right. But I, I really think about that in the sense that wise wisdom doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens in inviting the Holy Spirit to say, okay, Lord, what do you want to have say to me? What, what does your scripture say to me? And then as I speak with others, you know, are they also hearing it? That's essentially how a good functioning church functions. It's not about Pastor Louie's church. Pastor Louie is, you know, great looking. He's, he's a, a fabulously talented. He's a great guy. But at the end of the day, this isn't his church, is it? It belongs to Jesus. It's Jesus' church. But thankfully, Louie works in community with amongst the elders and then in, in the larger community as well. And that's essentially the way Solomon was able to garner wisdom as he had wise counsel around him. So we figured out the author. And then the next thing, we got to figure out the purpose. Are you ready to put your detective hat on? All right, verse 2. It's the purpose. Oh, man, this is so easy. There's a quiz after. The author and the purpose, okay? Uh, Verse 2. It says, really simple, the purpose is... Okay, good. All right, check mark. The purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline. Wisdom and discipline. It's interesting. Um, within these scriptures here, I, I really like the way it shows up in the Hebrew. Because um, in the, the original text was, of course, written in Hebrew here. And the word wisdom... Uh, translates, or sorry, original, um, the original Hebrew is ha, it's called hama. It's a kind of a guttural sound, hama. You can say that three times fast. And, and the, ultimately, the meaning of hama was ultimately from people who have gone through seasons of life, people who have a little bit of hard knocks life going through their journey. And so, you know, a little bit of salt and pepper in your hair, um, a little bit of ability to 
have gone through something, maybe a little bit of wrinkles, a little bit of, uh, you know, lack of hair follicles, that adds to your credibility in this hama wisdom. On the other side is discipline. The word here is actually muzar. Muzar is a word that's referenced to somebody who is receiving wisdom because they're sitting under that tutelage. So they're to learning a skill. They're learning the ability to listen and receive. And so what we have is the two blending themselves to recognize what I would call godly wisdom. So if we go to the next slide, essentially what the writer here is inviting us is to learn off of the, this kind of godly wisdom. And it takes two kinds. It takes those that have gone through seasons of life who, you know, ultimately you wish you could impart it to your children, right? Uh, man, if my kids could only know what I know, right? Have you ever felt that way? If they could only do what I'm telling them to do. I have teenagers, I know. Um, and so it, it's kind of like wanting to impart that wisdom. On the flip side, it's also sitting under that tutelage. I think of my own um, journey, and this is the best way I can describe it. My grandfather uh, fought in World War II. And I remember him as a young child telling me stories about what it meant to fight in the war. And, you know, ultimately, his experience ultimately affected you know, the way he was carrying himself and the way he was communicating. But his experience was truly his experience. I'm grateful. I've never had to go to war. He, though, on the other side, actually fought, actually saw a battle, actually saw, uh, you know, those difficult seasons. And so only him and others that were experiencing battle-like experiences could relate to that journey. And so on one side, that is his side of the journey. But for me as a young person sitting under the tutelage, I was trying to glean some of that knowledge. I was trying to glean some of those experiences onto myself. And so wisdom is not one of those things in exclusion, but actually they work in tandem here within the scriptures. If we go to the next slide... We read in verse 3, their purpose was to teach people to, much the same way in verse 2, to live a life of discipline and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. As I think on that, you know, ultimately somebody could have incredible wisdom and be outside of Scripture, couldn't they? You know, you could flip through the channels and think, oh man, this person has really fantastic wisdom. Or somebody could find someone that they want to follow on the internet or listen to their podcasts or whatever the context might be. And, and they go, wow, they have incredible wisdom. But in reality, you know, they're, they're totally outside of their source being from God. The successfulness might also be, you could have somebody who's incredibly disciplined in their kind of daily practice and you might be like wow they're so successful in a monetary standpoint 
but they can be totally outside of the bounds of what godly wisdom is all about. And so I, I believe when you think about what is righteous, what is justice, and what is fairness or equality within the eyes of God, we have to tie it with things like Matthew 6. In the next slide, it says, we have to seek first whose kingdom? Whose kingdom? God's kingdom. We have to seek first his kingdom. His kingdom of righteousness. Jesus' kingdom of righteousness. He is the one who is our source. He is the one who we need to be focused on. And so when we go back to the next slide, if we just pop over to the next slide there. No, go one more slide. After, there we go. When we think about righteousness and justice and fairness, it has to be in the context of saying, Lord, how am I seeking you? Lord, how do I want to see you lead me in my life how do you want me to lead my family? How do you want me to lead my children? How do you want me to lead my business in the context of righteousness and justice and fairness? For we are called to seek first, not second, not third, not fourth, but first, the kingdom of righteousness. Amen? Amen. That's our calling. That's our calling as the people of God. Next slide. Verse 4 and 5 is, is kind of presents us an interesting spectrum of, of people. We get to choose our own adventure here. It says, these proverbs are given insights to the simple. Sometimes I self-identify as a simpleton. This is for you, ladies and gentlemen, people of God. If you identify as a simpleton, this is for you. Knowledge and discernment for the young. So if you're a younger person, and again, I'm, it's interesting, it doesn't give a cutoff age, you get to decide. So if you're 65 years old here or older, you can classify yourself as young. You get to decide. Okay? It's a self-identification. If you're young, this is for you. Verse 5 continues on much of the same genre. Let the wise listen. No, it doesn't say, not the unwise. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs that you may become what? Even more wise. That's right. All right. Whew. Getting excited here. Let those who have understanding, not people without understanding, people with understanding receive guidance. Even Solomon had wise counsel. And so we have the spectrum all the way from simple to young to wise people to super understanding people. Like you get to decide your own adventure here. Ultimately, who are the Proverbs for? For everyone. For everyone who calls himself a follower of Jesus. For everyone. I know for me, in, in my journey, if we go to the next slide, it's, um, I, I came to Christ in high school, and I, you know, some people told me, oh, I think it was, you know, my youth pastor and various youth events or what have you, they said, you should really read these scriptures. You should really read them for you. 
And I was like, oh, okay, that's good. So I was one of those crazy high school students that I had read the Bible cover to cover, and I was like, yeah, I'm awesome. You know, look at me, I'm great. And so, and then somebody said, oh, you should go off to Bible school. And so I was like, I'll go to Bible school and teach these people. I honestly, I had a little bit of arrogance uh, to me at, at that time. I needed a two by four to hit me over the side of the head. So anyways, I, I went off to Bible school and I realized how much I didn't know. I knew absolutely diddly squat. And, and I realized, man, you know, there's a richness within these scriptures and contextualization of these scriptures that, man, I, I, I just, I did not understand clearly. And so then I went into ministry and I realized how much I still didn't know because now the theory was meeting real life and I, and I realized I didn't know anything. So I decided, oh, I better do, do a master's degree. And so I did a master's degree in theology and I still realize I know absolutely nothing. It's only by God's grace am I able to operate at all. And I think when it comes to this knowledge and we think about that spectrum, that's exactly the light in which we're called to have when it comes to sitting under the tutelage of the Holy Spirit. It's coming before the throne of grace. And we say, okay, Lord, here's all my gifts. Here's all my talents. Here's all my degrees. Here's all my training. Here's all my next, all my Bible study stuff. Here's all my whatever I have. Here's all my previous things. Here's my sin. Here's my whatever it might. And you surrender it at the cross. Lord, you, O Holy Spirit, speak to me. Lead me, guide me, direct me, shape me. For when we open up this powerful tool called Scripture, and we invite the Holy Spirit to meet us in that experience, all of a sudden there's a powerful cosmic shift that's allowed to happen within our heart. And we're able to start being open to, oh, the Holy Spirit is really challenging me here. Because no longer are we carrying our egos and our, our selfishness and our, and our baggage into the conversation but we have a genuine openness and a, a sense of surrender as we open up the scriptures. That's what we're called to here. I think the other aspect of wisdom is really found within the context of what I often refer to as the love chapter. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Perhaps you've heard this before in the context of marriages. You hear um, different readings of this, and believe it or not, it doesn't just speak to marriage. It actually does apply to marriage, but it speaks to the family unit. It speaks to the church family. It speaks to the context in which we engage others, period. And it's speaking about this paradigm of understanding knowledge paired with the Christ-centeredness on this aspect of putting on love and expressing God's love. And, it, and the two get married in there. And so as, I don't believe I can introduce you to wisdom without 
marrying these two. Look at what it says. It says, if I could speak in the language of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Can you imagine that? Bong. You know, in other translations, it says, if I could speak in any language on earth, any language at all, I am but a resounding gong in heaven and earth. And it continues. Imagine having all these things in verse 2. If I had the gift of prophecy and I could fathom all the mysteries of knowledge... Meaning, if I could know everything about everything, not only would I be a know-it-all, I would just be like, you know, ultimately knowing all of this stuff. And if I had faith that could move mountains, but if I had not love, I am nothing. I am nothing. Are you getting a sense? I am in desperate need of the cross. And so are you. Collectively, we are in desperate need of Jesus. Because all of our wisdom is useless without putting through the filter and throughout the source of ultimately what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Verse 7 certainly speaks to this. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. In other translations, uh, this could be uh, the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning, starting point. But it, it, it kind of gives us two options. And the question that I want to ask you, are you a fool? Or are you filled with the heartbeat of seeking after knowledge. It's the starting point. The next slide, it just I want you to think on that. What does it mean to begin, to start, wherever you are, whatever your position is, whatever job title you have, whatever you're going through, what does it mean to begin a starting position today and saying, Lord, I want to seek after you above anything else, above my kids, above my wife, above my job, above career, whatever the case may be, I want to begin with a posture that's surrendering to you and say, out of a, a, and a fear, this is not like a trembling fear, this is a deep and profound respect for the living God. Lord, how do I surrender before you and invite you to be the, truly the Lord of my life? And how do I derive my wisdom from you, O Lord? That's the prayer. That's the prayer. As we shift and, and prepare ourselves for the communion table, I, I want to kind of end with a challenge. So we have this question here of, of saying, Lord, what does it look like to put myself in the posture of seeking you above anything else? But in a really practical way, I want to kind of make you think about this summer. So this summer, we are beginning. Anybody know the date today? Put up your hand if you know the date. All right, shout it out to me. What's the date? 
July 2nd. It was Canada Day yesterday, ladies and gentlemen. Summer has officially arrived. And so we're starting the summer out, and the question is, what is Jesus going to do in your heart this summer? That's the question. And so I want to leave you with a challenge. Every week here at Grace, we are going to be opening up the scriptures and looking at wisdom literature and looking at the Proverbs in a different light of how this wants to speak and challenge to us. Really, this should be like a booster shot in the arm to kind of get you excited about what you're doing at home. Anybody know how many chapters there are in Proverbs? This isn't a trick question. Anybody know? I see some people, <laughs> oh, I, gotta, I, I should know this answer. 31, 31. How many days in July? Oh, man, this is getting exciting. I don't know, are you marrying the two? We could, in theory, read a chapter a day. Oh, man, it's, Ian, it, it's July 2nd. Does that work? Well, maybe, maybe if you squeeze in an extra chapter. But let me ask you this. How many days in August? Oh, man, 31 chapters, 31 days in July, 31 in August. This is really good. So what you could do is you could say, man, I'm going to read a chapter a day, but I'm even going to do it better for you. Uh, Labor Day Monday is July or September the 4th. So there are 65 days between now and Labor Day Monday. So you can take a chapter a day, and if you do a chapter a day, it gives you 34 days of grace. Only here at Grace Church. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, here's my point. People of God, here's the point. No excuses. May I challenge you out of a desire and genuine love for Jesus to open up the word for yourself. Get into the scriptures this summer and read Proverbs for yourself. Will you do that for me? You, no, actually, sorry. Don't do it for me. Would you do it for Jesus? I promise you, it'll pay dividends. Let me close in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your scriptures. We thank you that we are called to a, a place of seeking after you above anything else. That you are the first priority to drive out wisdom. And, and collect wisdom uh, from you, O oh Lord. Help us seek you above anything else. And may we begin today with a deep sense of reverence for you, Lord. Just as Proverbs 1-7 says, you declare, Lord, in your scriptures, the beginning of wisdom is a fear of you, Lord, in a loving, incredible way. Lord, we thank you for this time together. And Lord, as we prepare our hearts for communion, I pray that you would just continue to help us recognize that you are our Savior. That there is no one else that can save us. There is no one else that can be the author of our lives. There is no one else who is able to provide the strength, the wisdom, the direction in our lives other than you, O oh Lord. So we love you, Lord, and we give you thanks. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. All of God's people said.